But the challenge of traffic congestion, air quality is what's at the heart of our system. And we were created about 20 some years ago to make sure that our destination, our city can continue to grow. Economic development can continue to prosper, but yet at the same time, we preserve the culture, the neighborhoods, the ability of people to move around our city. And for that reason, our system was developed to ensure that traffic is curtailed, air quality is maintained, and our neighborhoods continue to prosper. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. Good to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged. In depth this week with Diana Kotler, who is CEO of Anaheim Transportation here in Anaheim, California. And that's where we're at today at the At The Tech Conference. So thank you, Diana, for being with us on the show. Thank you for having me, Paul. It's a pleasure. Anaheim is one of the coolest cities in the country with Disneyland here and all the fun stuff people love here. Uh, tell us a little bit about... Um, the system you run in the city we're in. Well, yes, Anaheim, we're privileged to be in the, in the middle of incredible tourist destinations, sporting venues, and so forth. Tell us about Anaheim, kind of the size, population, mm-hmm. do you know all that kind of stuff? Oh, absolutely. Anaheim is the uh, 10th largest city in, or- in California. We're a population of almost 400,000. I think the last census was like a 396. Uh, of course, we're home to the world-class destinations. We, Disneyland, both two professional sports teams. Our convention center, which is just next door, is the largest on the West Coast. Which is really? The, yes, it is. It's a million square feet. So we're in the million plus club. There's only, I believe, less than a dozen in the nation. So it's a very special destination. We also, believe it or not, we have the largest concentration of hotel rooms outside of Las Vegas. So it is a quiet uh, a hub. Also, the tourism economy in Anaheim brings over 50% of general fund funding for the city, for the libraries, for the parks, for police, fire, et cetera, et cetera. So tourism economy is at the core of what we do. And we understand that it's not just Anaheim, it's Orange County that benefits from the industrial base that we have here. On the east side of the city, we have a largest manufacturing facilities. People don't even know about it. We call it the canyon. And we, that manufacturing facilities are kind of transitioning to high tech. So our next uh, big effort will be to bring public transit services to that area of the city. Okay. So tell us about the system itself, you know, how it's funded, how it runs, how many, you know, all that, how many buses, buses and all that. Okay. Yeah. We were formed or founded by the city of Anaheim. Uh, we are operating under a local ordinance. Um, we are funded by, very interesting. Because we are kind of unique in the way we were started, we were not started by a regional agency or part of the transit system, a truly local, local initiative. But there's, we very fortunate uh, to have a fair recovery of about 65 to 70%. Wow. Um, so it's, it's just structured that way. I know we're unique in that sense that we serve a lot of choice riders. We, the rest of the funding comes from our business community. It's strictly an assessment-based system. So we have two different assessments. We have a tourism improvement district assessment where a portion of that money goes to help us with our capital investments. And then we have a separate assessments on, uh, on businesses that funds about 25 to 30% of our operations. So it was done locally. We compete for state funding. We compete for federal funding. 
We're part of the, uh, you know, FTA's uh, NTD program and so forth. So we are fully pledged public transportation agency, but we're funded to meet the local need. Because our fare recovery ratio is, uh, you know, what it is, we provide our services are free to residents of Anaheim. So if you work in this area, if you play in this area, we have a program uh, we call it Show Your Badge and Ride. And if you're a resident of Anaheim, you use the service for free. So you get a, how do you do it? You apply and get a card uh, or something? Well, if you worked in this area, we just look for your badge. Oh. You know, we just literally look so for So the drivers badge. are making that determination? Determination. If wow. Yeah, if you have a Hilton badge or a Marriott badge, or you say, I work for the Anaheim Ducks, we're just going to take your work okay. for it, and we're going to take you to that destination. And if you're mm-hmm. a tourist, how much do you pay? $6 per day, unlimited use. Wow. That's interesting. So you, how does that work? You get on the bus the first time in the morning and you, they give you a pass? Press. No, we can transition to a completely digital system. Believe it or not, during the pandemic, one of the health officials for the County of Orange basically decided that cash collection in our vehicles was no longer an option. Okay. So we almost overnight had to figure out how do we go from your traditional cash fare system and your kind of magnetic stripe cards to a digital system. So we went with, we have a digital app, we have called it Away We Go, so you can purchase your passes digitally through there. They just uh, unveiled, actually this week at this conference, uh, our program with Cal ITP where you can tap and go, open payment solution, and we have a couple of locations where you can still purchase your passes uh, for cash. We also work hand in hand with Token Transit, so you can download the passes from there as well. So like within, literally overnight, we had to come, come up with a different solution. Wow, that's interesting. Let's talk about your system a little bit more. How many buses, how do they operate, do you contract it out, all that? Yeah, so we, we started the system 20 years ago with the understanding that environmental stewardship is at the heart of what we do. So our very first 10 vehicles were e-bus. They were electric. That long ago. That long ago. Wow, you were electric before it was cool. It right? was electric before <laughs> it was cool. Exactly. We worked hand-in-hand hand with Santa Barbara. So we had the same trolleys that they were running up and down State Street. We brought them here to Anaheim to start our system. The remainder of the fleet were propane vehicles. Always. They've never had a diesel vehicle in our fleet. Then gradually we transitioned to working with OCTA as an agency, as our parent agency here in Orange County. We acquired some of our LNG vehicles as we continue to organically grow. We've never went to another city and asked for extension of service or adding. It was actually the opposite way people would come to us and ask us to provide the services to them. So we went from 20-some vehicles in the beginning to gradually to 40-plus in the uh, mid-2000s. And now we sit at 82 vehicles in our fleet, uh, 60% electric. We have 46 BYDs in our fleet, and we are on the trajectory to buy additional 25. Our goal is to be zero emission by 2026-27. We are one of the host cities for 28 Olympics. We're going to be hosting volleyball here. So our trajectory is to be 100% zero emission by the time Olympics come to town at 28. We also, right before the pandemic, started the first microtransit system here in Anaheim. It's very closely related. It's around what we call Center City or the Colony District where the city was formed. A lot of civic uses, city hall, police department, libraries. It's a community-based system. 
goes into the neighborhood, you inhale it. Uh, we also started just recently uh, on-demand service to the airport. Pandemic kind of literally destroyed that industry for us. So we came back with a uh, limited service. We're kind of just tipping our toe into it, but we believe that there will be something that's needed for this community. What kind We're of vehicles busy. do you use on microtransit? Microtransit, oh, we are using small, low-speed vehicles. Um, we actually working with the company Taylor Dunn. They're based right here in Anaheim. So they're building those vehicles for us. You've seen them on campuses. You've seen them um, around the country. But what they did for us, they created the special model that is ADA accessible. Ooh. So they built those models for us. So, Like how uh, many people can sit in it? Well, it's only two people can sit in that because you have to take out uh, a row, four of, seats. Seat, a row yeah. of seats. But the way we structure it is that those vehicles are always available. And when you inhale your service, you indicate if you need an ADA and then we dispatch the appropriate vehicle. So, um, and so far, the, uh, we've been able to meet all the ADA requirements associated with that program. Do you contract out your services or do you do it with direct employees? Uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Um, so we started practically, I would say 90% of services, but it was contracted out. We worked with the MBs and TransDev and all, you know, all of that yeah. <laughs> for part of our conversation. But as the system organically grew, first we took all the dispatch and operational responsibilities. Then we took maintenance in-house. Um, now the only thing we contract this truly is operators. We're, we're part of Teamsters, Local 952, great relationship with our union leaders, and we'll continue to contract for the operators. Who do you contract with? We're working with a small company, relatively okay. small. It's called Parking Company of America, PCA. They only have 1,600 employees here in California. They have some out-of-state employees. But given their small nature uh, and given our unique type of operation, they fit the bill, and they've That's been with great. us for quite some time. Tell us about where you're at now as compared to before the pandemic. Okay. So before pandemic, we're about 10 million passengers per year. Um, again, I understand we're very fortunate the destination we serve, that's kind of was our base. During the pandemic, we went down by 98%. 98? <laughs> 98%. Wow. I mean, we transitioned to delivery, food deliveries, uh, transitioned some essential workers still came to town. Uh, but this destination was, it was eerie to see, uh, you know, this area shut down for almost, it was 452 days that were a complete closure. We are at about 9 million now. So we are 8.8 .8 last calendar year that we did the reporting. We're just finishing up this fiscal year. So we'll probably know within a month or two where we end up this year. But I anticipate we'll be somewhere around 9 million passengers per year. So that's 90% of where you were? About 90%. And what's your relationship with Disney out here? Do you, do you have a relationship with them? Do you connect in with their park and all that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we are unique in that space that we work very closely with our business community. So we, we work with Disney transportation folks. We work with Disney's uh, operational staff, government affairs. It's, it's, a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Uh, when they have special events, grad nights, uh, holiday events. So we kind of know where, you know, that attendance uh, comes in so we can manage our service accordingly. Also in this area, because it's a mitigation measure, because it's an environmental responsibility, a lot of businesses provide us with real estate to operate. So if you go to Disney's East Esplanade, 
they actually provide land to us to operate transit inside the park. Wow. Uh, we also work with a agency, with a um, real estate retail shop just across the street, Garden Walk. They have a transportation center that is dedicated to us. So when the development comes into town, regardless of size, mom and pop hotel to somebody like Disney, we actually sit with them to determine what transit amenities will look like, how they will represent not only us, but also the business community and to make sure that the customer experience extends beyond, you know, the bus stop. We also make sure because this is a 24-hour operation, our next endeavor is night owl service. So the safety and security of our employees, our associates of extreme importance. So their allocation of right-of-way becomes essential to the safety of parking operations. Well, that's good. You mentioned OCTA. Mm -hmm. How do you interact with them? What's their role versus yours Mm -hmm. and all that? Well, OCTA is a direct recipient for federal funds. So we have a relationship to pass through federal funding that comes to us through OCTA. We also have a contract with OCTA for the delivery of the paratransit services. So uh, we felt and OCTA felt that in this county, there shouldn't be competing paratransit services. There should be one agency that provides. Oh, so you contract with them? Correct. Okay. So, and we reimburse them for the trips that are gathered in our area. Yes. So that's... Uh, Almost like an access contract in LA, but yeah. kind of doing the same thing here in Orange County. Yeah. Um, we also work with them on the Amtrak services, the Pacific Surfliner. We have a fair agreement, cooperative fair agreement with them. So we operate Arctic, which is the regional tra- in their model center. It's the, the next high speed rail. We'll stop here. We're oh, ready. Wow. We don't know when high speed rail comes, but we're ready when it does. So we operate the, the customer service functions of that center, and we're actually moving our operations there by the end of this calendar year. So all rail transfers that happen through our through that center are kind of managed by us. So the Amtrak is done through OCTA. We have an agreement with them, and we also work on it with Metrolink on the commuter rail side to make sure that oh, we provide with Daryl and Metrolink, yeah, yeah, to make sure that we provide connectivity and rail feeder services. And even during the pandemic, we continued the services and we continued that relationship because some of the essential uh, workers, essential uh, employees still use rail. And I know that rail is suffering right now, but we continue to support that. So all your money is coming from fares and then from uh, the business community. Mm -hmm. And then you get some money from the feds through OCTA. Through OCTA. Advertising. A little bit. Yeah. Advertising collapsed uh, during the pandemic. It's been very difficult to rebuild that market. We're also, uh, you're sitting in an area that is uh, not allowed to have any advertising. So the entire Anaheim Resort and Platinum Triangle is like an island. Really? Um, Well, there's a reason for that. That's interesting. It's interesting, right? So before uh, Disney opened their second park, if you go look at the pictures of this area, like in the early 90s, it was a billboard haven. Okay. It was nothing but billboards. So through work with the business community, all of that was taken down. The landscaping and the signage program was created. And for that reason, the boundary was established. Where even you look at even our bus shelters, there's no advertising there to create a sense of placemaking. And so our vehicles are allowed to have advertising. We're the only ones to allow advertising. But again, there is this unwritten rule that how that advertising is to be presented. So bringing advertising program has been very challenging. How long have you been in the job? That's an excellent question, Paul. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, it, it's a. Uh, I actually started in the city of Anaheim as an intern. Okay. And uh, my job once it became not an intern was to form this agency because it didn't exist. Oh, wow. It existed in concept on a piece of paper. And uh, once the, the second gate for Disneyland was under construction and beginning to open up, the city fathers and Mayor Daly at the time came and said, Diana, we need to get this done, like literally. So that's how the system started. I worked for the city to get it going. Uh, I left the city of Anaheim for a couple of years, and then I came back in the capacity of running the system. It's going to be 20 years this December. That's amazing. I know. Wow, what a story. Well, you say you have a dotted line to the city. Mm -hmm. uh, in what ways do they support you? How do you interact with them? Well, when the ATN started, the only reason— Is that what your initials are? Yeah, ATN, yeah, Transportation, Transportation Network. Network. Yeah. Okay, yeah. When they it just, sounds like a TV network. It does. Yeah. I, I know it is. Yeah. It's actually in succession. Oh, very. Okay. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> fine. that's why I heard it on that TV. Yeah, succession. I heard that. And my husband yeah. like, oh, did you hear that? Yeah. You're famous. You're on TV. Oh, sure, honey. <laughs> of course. So when the ATN started, the biggest issue for the city was liability. Okay. So they wanted to set us up as a separate nonprofit organization, just like Long Beach Transit. They're a nonprofit, oh, okay. but they are part of the city. So to ensure that we had a separate liability protection, so the city government, municipal government, wouldn't be impacted or endangered from public transit operations. So, like I said, we we operate under an operating ordinance. It's, it's called 6464 because that's the number of the ordinance. And that establishes all the parameters for our operations. Everything from how drivers dress to how really? often we run. Yeah, it's, That's it's in a code. It's in the code. Wow. <laughs> our standard operating procedures are an attachment <laughs> yeah. to the code. Exhibit B, to be precise. Okay, yeah. So, so that's the relationship. And all that was done to ensure two things. To ensure that we never slip. You know, and we continue to maintain that high level of service, especially for our business communities to pay for it. And for the city at the same time, if they will continue to mitigate business community in the future to pay for the services, they need to make sure that mitigation was done properly, right? So it's not, they can trust the agency with, with that requirement. Um, what was the second question? I forgot. Um, oh, the dotted line to the city. Yeah. So that's one. The this second parameter is that ability to provide uh, services to our constituents, to our residents. So in addition to free services for Anaheim residents, we operate the city's senior mobility program. We do the microtransit services for them, rail feeder services for them. So it's, it's a relationship that's a very close relationship. So I, uh, whether it's, you know, working with the city council to ensure that they're educated about what we do, to working with people in economic development, public works, uh, to ensure that we are an intricate part of the municipal structure. But they don't, they don't give you any money? No, they do not give us a dollar, actually. Um, we, we, there is no financial relationship. There is a regulatory relationship. Right. And there is then the mitigation relationship, too. Okay. Yeah. Now, do you have a board, and, and how is how's your governance? Uh, the, the governing structure for our organization is a directly elected board. We have a board members who represent both business communities, civic leaders, organizations, C CBOs that sit on our board. It's comprised of 15 individuals, and we also have seats in ex officio capacity from planning commissioners and, and others in, in that capacity for the city of Anaheim. 
They're elected? They're directly elected. By who? By our constituency that we serve. So every business that pays an assessment is basically our constituent. So it's a, I don't want to call it membership, but it's kind of sort of like membership. So they directly elect their representation to the board. We work hand in hand with the city of Anaheim. They are the oversight agency for us, kind of a dotted line between us and the city. So there are several ordinances under which we operate. One of them is um, a franchise ordinance that establishes certain standards and requirements for us to operate. And the other one is primarily ensuring that we comply with all the requirements for public transit operations. So there's two different documents that allow us to exist and function in a public capacity. So what do you have planned for the future? For the future, yeah. a couple of things. We're very excited. So zero emission. Uh, uh, but sounds like you almost already are. We're almost are. Yeah. We're opening our new uh, charging facility at the end of this calendar year. It's under construction. So we will have completely carbon-free footprint for our zero emission program. Uh, we're very fortunate. Anaheim Public Utility works hand-in-hand with us. So solar panels are up. They're putting battery storage units as we speak. Uh, conduits are coming in. So we're very excited to open that up. As I mentioned, we're moving our operations to Arctic. We feel that that magnificent building needs to be uh, maintained. And, and we are the gateway for people coming through it. We're also working with uh, to start a new program. Our congressman, uh, Lo Correa, is pushing forward an appropriation for us to start an IDOL service. Yes. Uh, again, that's extremely important to our labor base and uh oh yeah people yeah. work in hotels and oh my all that, gosh right? yeah, yeah. The hotels, just like vegas just like vegas yeah, it's and Major, my friend yeah. tells, tells me about all that yeah, yeah yeah it's it's huge and i feel that that population is left behind so as part of equity inclusion we need to make sure that our entire labor population is accommodated we're also working on the first brt project for us we're calling it anna or Advancing Neighborhood Networks for All. But also the first three letters in Anaheim. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. We added an N. Yeah. Uh, so we have a huge development happening spearheaded by Anaheim Ducks. We're basically oh, yeah. building a little city on the east side of the uh, 2,000 residential units, more entertainment facilities. So we are working hand in hand to create a BRT solution between the two parts of the city and a microtransit service within the campus of what will be known as OC Vibe. So that's supposed to kick off in 26, 27. We're fully on board with that. And also our microtransit service is growing to the city of Orange, Chapman University. They've asked for it and we've been able to secure funding for it. Uh, and now we're working with the council of the city of Orange and their chamber of commerce to start a very similar microtransit service there. So we're busy. Wow, that's great. Wow, you do have a lot going on, Dan. That's Thank amazing. You. Yeah, yeah. A very fun and different, unique service. service. And I think that's what's so unique about transit, right? Every transit agency does yes. something unique and different to meet the needs of its local community. We're all different, but that's we're right. all the same, right? There's a great saying that yeah. says, if you've seen one transit system... You've seen you one transit system. Exactly. <laughs> We're all different. Well, We're thank you, Diana Kotler, head of uh, Anaheim Transportation Network, ATN. ATN. Uh, uh, for sharing with us some about your system. And uh, we wish you all the best as you continue to, you know, work in one of the most fun places in America. Well, thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. 
I've got a special guest with me today. He's actually with me all the time because he's our podcast producer. This is Tris Hussey. Hi, Tris. Hey, Alea. Tris had the idea that we could talk about some of the things that Diana brings up in her interview with Paul, including, most importantly, helping tourists who are visiting our cities use our public transit systems. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was actually in Anaheim a year ago at Disneyland, and we used the Anaheim Transit Network, to get around. It wasn't very far from our hotel to Disneyland, but we did use it. And it got me thinking, there's so many ways hotels can help tourists or just transit can connect with tourists. In the city of Banff, which is in the national park here in Alberta and Canada, that every night you stay in a hotel in Banff, you get a transit pass, which not every city can do, but is really cool. Now, Alea, you've worked with hotels in Sedona where a lot of people go hiking. And what did they do? That's right. Well, a couple of things. You brought up hiking. Uh, One is that they changed service and announced new service that would take uh, tourists up to trails so that people weren't parking in the neighborhoods anymore and driving up to um, to the trailhead in order to go hiking. Another thing we did is we worked with the hotels to create customized schedules and created a flyer for the major hotels. Uh, that was for each hotel, and it would show when the transit service arrived nearest to the hotel and when and when departed, so that people could easily use the system from from the hotel. You had some other ideas. Yeah, and speaking of those those things hotels can do and transit agencies can do is like making sure all the tourist bureaus, all the hotels have just basic information about your system and a system information based on people who may not ride transit regularly at home and in multiple languages, having a QR code so they can scan and download the app. And one thing I would think would be really cool is in a hotel showing, here's how you get to this attraction, Vancouver at Stanley Park or Canada Place or the aquarium or the science museum and where you are in the Bay Area, Fisherman's Wharf, riding the cable cars, things that we can really do to help tourists engage in our cities, right? Yep, and use public transit too, and come away with a great impression of our public transit systems. Absolutely. Now, you love to work with transit agencies. Ilea, how can people reach you? If you'd like to talk to me about marketing your transit system to tourists, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged with our special guest, Diana Kotler, head of the Anaheim Transit Network. Now, coming up next week on the show, we have none other than Laura Hendricks, CEO of TransDev US. Laura and Paul talk about her storied career in transit, the acquisition of First Transit and what it means for transit agencies, and how TransDev is pushing zero emissions around the world helping to move us towards a zero emissions future. Do hope you tune in for this very special episode. Now, while you're listening, you could do us a favor and rate and review Transit Unplugged wherever you listen to podcasts. Rating and reviewing Transit Unplugged helps other people find Transit Unplugged and join our transit enthusiast community. If you have a question, comment, or like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we're passionate about moving the world's people. And at Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.